I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Milestone Pursuit podcast. The podcast that runs along with you or something like that anyway. This is episode 82 and it is Saturday the 18th of September and across 82 episodes in about 18 months or so it's an interesting time to think about the podcast and its role and what it's here for and what it's here to do now this podcast as you may or may not know started life at the very beginning of the Covid pandemic as a, as a way of giving people some training sessions and much of the, the back catalogue of the 81 is that, is training sessions, it is me doing a run, recording it as I run and giving you the opportunity to follow it. At the time I thought it would probably appeal mostly to people who knew me, thought it would be an acquired taste, and it's certainly pretty niche. And it, it served a really good purpose, and I had lots of really nice feedback, built up some relationships with some people as a consequence of it as it morphed into Catch to 5k style programs and the ongoing Milestone Pursuit Running Club. So it's been really interesting from that perspective, but obviously the world's moved now and we're back into some kind of normality. Maybe it'll be permanent normality, maybe it won't be. Who knows? Oh, a bit out of breath, we going up the hill. Just coming to the road, it's going to get a little bit noisy. So I've been thinking about the role of the podcast. It's different now. Everyone's back connected, training in groups, getting on with their lives, getting back into the office or wherever it is you work. Okay, just crossing Goldings Hill at the top of Loughton, back into the forest. So thinking about the role of the podcast and what it can do, so I'm going to just change it slightly. I've got a few plans, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to say more than that right now. I'm not going to make any great reveals or big announcements, partly because it's not that exciting, but also because I don't want to promise and then not deliver. Because life can get in the way. the world might change again. So we'll see how it goes across the course of the next few months. 
get back into a bit of a rhythm, some routine, just like in our running. But today, we are, we're doing a recovery ramble. Now these, there's a few of these that are now in the, uh, in the library. And these are where I just run easy and I chat about something that I think is interesting. Usually about the world at large. Either relating to the sport or coaching or business or all three. And it's full of stuff that you probably won't agree with. And that's okay. It's just food for thought, ideas, my opinions, my experiences, and every now and then maybe some science. But even that's not black and white. So I'm just jogging along the trail, right by the road. I'm gonna come off that soon. It'll quiet down a little bit more. I'm just keeping it easy. But before we get into today's ramble and the subject of today, which you'll have read in the show notes, so it won't be a surprise. Before I get into it, just a bit of a general update because we're two weeks out from the London Marathon. The first London Marathon in two and a half years. Amazing, the last London Marathon in 2019, April 2019, I remember it very well, despite it being in another lifetime. Did an inverted commas training run for comrades, and had a whale of a time. Kept a steady pace up, around the course, enjoyed it. Loved the atmosphere. had a great day, it's one of my favourite days, if not my favourite day of the whole year, certainly historically. But it's going to be very different this year. It's in October for starters. So that's new. And there's going to be a whole bunch of other things that are different from the world that we used to know. And still exciting though. So the race pack was published yesterday by the London Marathon so got full of facts and information about what to do and all that kind of stuff. We're going to get into that quickly in a minute. But I also sent out to the people that I coach my traditional marathon cheat sheet. The things to do and think about in the next couple of weeks to get yourself ready. And I had to adapt that as well for the Covid world. But it is getting real, it's two weeks away. It's come round fast. Caught a few people out, I reckon. Enjoying this late summer weather. Thinking October's miles away. Well, hang on a minute, it's only two weeks away. It's the middle of September already. Ah, what do we do? 
we're here to help. The Marathon Milestones podcast coaching program has been ongoing all summer. People have been enjoying hints and tips. Well, I've certainly been enjoying it. I think they have. They'll tell me if they haven't. Hints and tips that get more and more pointed as race day draws nearer. And anybody can access that program at any time. You don't need to have done the whole thing. But, like I say, it is different this time round. And also, we haven't raced much, have we? So, it's well worth preparing, doing it properly, getting yourself ready. You've got lateral flow tests to think about, you've got wave starts as opposed to a mass start. You've got to pack your bag, your finish line bag, you've got to pack that during the week or the day before. Get that ready and shipped off. And you're only allowed one supporter. No idea how they're going to police that. But, and I don't know how many people are going to stick to those rules. But I'm not taking any supporters because my children are going to be playing football that morning, so my wife will be at home trying to help them. Not sure she realises that yet, but we'll, we'll get to that. So if anyone wants my supporter, you can have them. Just let me know. I'll sign them up. I don't think there is a sign-up process. And as for me and my training, well, I came into the training block for London thinking I'm not in the best shape. I was okay. The body of the energy systems are okay, but there's niggles everywhere. Pretty tired, pretty run down. And when you get a bit older, as I am, I feel like I have been for ages, but anyway, as you get a bit older, you do start to question every time you get a, a niggle that sets you back. It's an injury really, but you're pretending it's a niggle. Every time you get one, you think, oh no, is this it? Is this the end? This must be the end. It's over. I've got to retire. But it doesn't always end up like that. And I've surprised myself through this block. Like I say, started it niggly. And I just wanted to get consistent with the training and get myself into some sort of shape, but with relatively low expectations. Like I say, I thought, I thought my time was up. But in reality, I think it was the pandemic. I think I was just fatigued from life, run down from the stresses of homeschooling and abnormality, just like everyone else. And I think it was affecting both how I felt about myself, but also how I actually was physically. So what changed? Because the early part of the block didn't go particularly well. I was doing all right, but nothing, nothing amazing. And motivation was up and down. I 
and I think what changed it was a holiday. I've been to Scotland for a week or so, put in some good hills, mountains, and then went to had a little 10 day break in Portugal in August, which was fantastic, really relaxed. Went with another family, so we were able to share some of the childcare duties, which took the pressure off. I was able to get out and do some good sessions in the heat. And I've come back since then and pieced together a good few weeks of training. So I'm really pleased, I'm pleased that no matter what happens in London, I, I feel like I've got back to training at a level I used to be able to get to. Maybe not quite, but pretty close. So it's not all over. It's not all over. And I'm not particularly fixated on outcome for London. And that is because I'm happy with what I've done so far and where I'm at. enjoyed the process I've enjoyed the journey it's been hard and it's been tiring but I've enjoyed it and so I want to go out to London in two weeks hopefully stay fit and healthy between now and then and then enjoy it enjoy the day enjoy myself and see what I can do And in lots of ways, because I thought I'd lost it, because I thought it'd gone, and also maybe because I look back at 2019 as the pinnacle of my running, my fastest marathon, and the Comrades Marathon, I sort of think, I've got a bit of a free pass. I can have a crack and try and enjoy it, see what I can do. No pressure, no expectation. And also because we didn't ever know whether this was going to happen, it feels like a bit of a free pass as well. Chance to give it a go. And across this summer, from the early summer through to just a couple of weeks ago, there's been another couple of examples of people with free passes one is the England football team and I spoke about that in the last episode, episode 81 that I recorded on the day of the final and my view then as it remains now really that once they were in the final they were they got a free pass just to give it a crack because they've never been there before and now you look at it and you might say oh they're going to be desperate to win the World Cup and that might be true but equally this squad, this manager have put the hoodoo of getting to a final behind us and so I think they've actually got a free pass at the World Cup now give it a go 
why not? And the other person who's had a free pass and used it magnificently, and this is where we're getting into our ramble now, is Emma Raducanu. So we're going to move into tennis, which, I, which is a sport I pay closer attention to than my tennis talent and background warrants, on virtue of the fact that one of my best friends is a, is a lifelong tennis coach, a very good one, and keeps, keeps me and my friends regularly updated on the state of British tennis and what's coming and what's going. So it's of keen interest to me anyway, and then of course it, the Radicana story exploded from Wimbledon through to the US Open. And to my point about the free passing, who knows what's going to happen in the future? Nobody knows. Who could have predicted after Wimbledon that she would achieve this? Who could have predicted that a qualifier for an event Grand Slam would win the Grand Slam and who could have predicted that she would have done so without dropping a single set it is just remarkable so who knows what will happen in the future but I think the mentality now for her is completely different having won than it is had she not now, had she not won a bit like Andy Murray in his first few Grand Slam finals ended in defeat before he eventually won one. Feels like the pressure's on a bit to convert finals into a win. And the reality is it takes ages. I mean it's hard. Each Grand Slam has 128 people in it. There's four of them a year. So it's really hard. And so it's a lot of pressure if you haven't done it and if you failed once and the the spotlight's on you. But she doesn't have that pressure now because she has won one. She will have different pressures, of course. But the pressure to win is removed. And I think that gives her a free pass to play in a free, spirited manner. The next time she sets foot on court, whether it's in a tour event or a or a slam. She literally has nothing to lose. And I don't know enough about her. Who does? Such is her meteoric rise. But I don't know enough about her to know if that is like likely how she'll think or how she'll approach it. But I think we can learn a few things from the way she performed and the way that she has spoken and what she has said. The first those is about resilience. Feels really obvious, doesn't it? Talk about resilience in her case. Given the high profile nature of the way things unfolded for her. So Wimbledon where she 
withdrew mid-match apparently in some discomfort apparently not coping with that discomfort brilliantly well and no one really knows the truth that sits behind it so Piers Morgan appears to he appeared to say that she quit when she was losing badly and she might want to get some help from some experts who know the game well I don't imagine for a minute that she hadn't thought of that and the language that Piers Morgan uses there is interesting and slightly clever too because he says she quit when she was losing badly now at no point does he call her a quitter or a loser he just said that's what she did and that's a distinct but subtle difference but of course lots of people did think that he said or meant that she was a quitter and a loser and got up in arms about it now I think his words weren't particularly delicate particularly sensitive to the situation and it's very typical for people to chime in about something that they know little of to create a bit of noise for themselves but her response not to him but to what happened at Wimbledon is very interesting it's obvious that she went through a process where she spoke about staying in the moment focusing on one point at a time and it reminded me a lot of well some things we talk about run training through my sessions where it's important just to stay focused on what you're doing right now on your journey to both fitness and race glory but it also reminded me of something my tennis coach friend says that's Justin he says tennis is a great sport for loads of reasons one of them is there's only one point that you have to win only one point you have to win or you lose so you don't need to put huge amounts of pressure on each point that point is of course match point match point down so you don't need to put loads of pressure on yourself to win certain points in games or in sets And also the other thing that she spoke of, which is all connected, is of enjoying the journey. And I think she was quoted as saying something like this might be her last ever US Open. So she might as well enjoy it and give it a go. And blimey, did she do that? Even in the finals, fearless hitting. And you compare the quality of the match 
from the women through to the men. But where in the men's match, there's unforced errors all over the place. And the standard was pretty poor considering. But in the women's final, it was very high, very aggressive, clean striking. In what you would expect to be for two teenagers, you'd expect it to be fraught with tension and nerves. But they were seemingly both, although I'd say Radicano more, more so, intent on enjoying the experience. And who knows where that comes from? There could have been, she could have been like that all along pre-Wimbledon and just became too sick we don't know do we we can't really judge or she could have done some work on that in the interim and one of the theories I've seen banded around is that and I can see some sense in this is this thing that this idea that she was never slavishly pushed to, towards tennis as a, as a sport, as a young, younger, an even younger person, she very much was involved in a whole host of sports, which is also true of Leila Fernandez, her opponent in the final, incidentally. And I suspect that one of the things that does, in addition to building you physically stronger, it removes a unhealthy focus on outcomes from the equation and just enjoying what you're doing and doing lots of it and even now I coach the kids football team the under nines for East End Lions who won 6-1 today first question afterwards did you enjoy it? what did we enjoy? well we enjoyed winning of course how did we win? Well, we, we passed really well. Yes, we played as a team. We brought each other into the match. We weren't fixated on scoring. We weren't fixating on the outcome. Let's do our passes and allow the outcome to take care of itself. That's not the language I use to nine-year-olds. But the mindset is, very much in tune with that. So perhaps by through her life switching off from the outcome, this might not be true of course, I keep caveating that. Because I dare say she's highly driven. And there were definitely points in the match where she lost the point and got a bit frustrated. did switch off from the outcome at the very beginning enjoyed going through the rounds and finding herself in the final and what an incredible outcome and let's, let's focus on the outcome now for a second what an incredible outcome and it's almost unbelievable isn't it never in history has a qualified one an event a slam event coming back from adversity from Wimbledon even, I don't know if you watched it, 9 million people did on Channel 4 apparently, 
that even in the game to serve out to win the match, to win the championship, when she fell and hurt her knee, and she was break point down and having to take a medical timeout at 5-4 up. So at that point, she's given two and a half minutes or whatever it is to fix her, her body to stop the blood. And then in that two and a half minutes, she's sitting there. The crowd are slightly on her case because they were favoring the North American. The North American, Fernandez, was in the referee's case, or the umpire's case. And she'd have been thinking, oh, I need to win this point. Although she didn't, based on Justin's theory. And maybe that's what she thought to herself, pressure off, I don't need to win this point, it would still be juice. Sorry, well, I lost the game, but it'll still be five all. There's still another set to go. I don't need to win this point. But when it, she did and then one, the next two. Incredible outcome. I can't think of anything more unlikely to have happened. Forgetting the fact she's British. Anything more unlikely than a qualifier winning a Grand Slam without losing a set? Anything more pandemic-y than that? Like, the world has changed. The only thing I can think of that's vaguely close is Leicester winning the Premier League. Or maybe in a much more isolated fashion. Ben Stokes winning the fourth test, the fourth Ashes, Ashes test at Headingley. After England scoring 135, sorry, he scored 135 after England being bowled out for 67 in their first innings. That was a moment. This was two weeks, three weeks of it. Just incredible. But the pandemic, I think, does play a role. And this is totally theory. Hypothesis would probably be a better word. And Actually, just before I say that, go on to that, let me just say this, that the incredibleness, if, that's the word, if that is a word, of the outcome of Radicano winning is something that we are totally robbed of in endurance sport. It will never happen. Well, sorry, it might happen, but we won't believe it. Because the dopers have now created a perception in the sport that any outstanding performance, any outlying performance is funded by doping. So we will never have this moment, we will never have the Radicanu moment. And though I choose the word robbed quite deliberately, the dopers have robbed people of these moments in their lives. It's got across the road, and I will return to my point. So, returning to my point. 
about the pandemic. I argued in an earlier episode of the podcast, I think it's episode 78, that the pandemic has changed things immeasurably. Well, what an insight. But actually, it's not, for me, it's not necessarily changed things. It's just sped up a whole bunch of things that are happening anyway. And I was talking there about all sorts of things from ageing through to reliance on technology through to falling apart of human connections through to a growth in the gap between the haves and the have-nots. And I think this falls into that category as well, not the haves and have-nots category, but it falls into the, this might have happened anyway, but it's just happened quicker because of the pandemic. And I think that for two reasons. So the first is that it's very evident that a lot of the tennis players, the global tennis players, who've been trying to compete through the pandemic have been suffering. Travel, lockdown, quarantine, no spectators. It's been hard for them. And there's evidence of burnout from a number of them. And because of that, it creates a gap. It creates a gap for people like Fernandez and for Radicano to step into. Now, like I said, I don't doubt that for a minute her talent and her mental fortitude. But in most parts of our lives, we also need a bit of luck. You need to seize that luck, take your moment, but in my mind the door was left a little ajar by the pandemic's effect on lots of the other senior tennis players. See Naomi Osaka for piece of evidence number one. But there is a second reason why I think the pandemic might have accelerated what was happening already. And that is that it's likely that she would have been emerging at this point anyway as an 18 year old post A level she might have been getting into it a little earlier perhaps playing some tour events before she played Wimbledon maybe in the winter or the spring but she wouldn't have been able to she wouldn't have been able to travel she probably They probably had restrictions on who they were inviting to a lot of these events. How you could enter. So it took a wild card at Wimbledon and then a qualifier at the US Open for it to get in through the door. But it is likely that she was developing fast anyway. She was just doing so under the radar because she wasn't competing. So there's a good chance that she'd have been ranked higher, maybe not needed to have qualified, and we may have heard of her before Wimbledon and before the US Open, had the pandemic not been here. 
and I think that might have helped her just flying in below the radar through that open door and of course now attention turns to how she copes with it I spoke a little bit about that before I really hope that she doesn't fall into the media circus trap and that she remains focused on the ideals that she was speaking of post the US Open of staying in the moment enjoying the process, enjoying the sport certainly not taking her success for granted and I hope she doesn't become a chat show a chat show queen and the face of 77 brands that'll come I think I mean, it'll obviously come, but what I mean is she doesn't need to rush. Especially with the two and a half million dollar prize winning check in her back pocket from the US Open. Feels a bit more like she's won X Factor than she's won a tennis tournament. Moving on slightly, staying related, but it's talking about a move on to women in sport. And I think there's another interesting movement going on, which I've spoken about again in the last episode when I talked about Southgate, and that is the profile of women in sport, which is definitely enhanced and enhancing. It's not quite where it should be still, but it's on the, definitely on the up. But what's on the up quicker is the way that women in sport are using those profiles. And I spoke about Naomi Osaka and how she uses her platform with Simone Biles from the US Olympic gymnast team. And then he dovetailed that with performances in the Olympics of Keely Hodgkinson, Laura Muir, and other athletes in our sport like Dina Asher-Smith, of course, and Ailish McColgan, and our very own Charlotte Perdue and Natasha Cochran, who we have association with. They speak eloquently, they focus on doing what they're doing, and they stand up for what they believe in. And you compare that and contrast that to the way men in our sport are currently being received. CJ CJ Uja and his suspension for a positive drug test after the 4x100 metre final in which the British team won the silver medal. The quietness of the other three, not really their fault, but I just think a woman would handle it slightly differently than going quiet. And of course, Alberto Salazar, the coach of the Nike Origin, Origin, Oregon project, who's been banned for four years 
for facilitating doping, but none of the athletes under his tutelage have been caught. So it's interesting how, how these things differ. There are some other female outliers as well, like Blessing Okobari, the Nigerian sprinter, female sprinter who's been banned following a test in the, just before the Olympics. And Shakari Richardson, and the noise that goes with her in the US, not necessarily her fault. the rise of women in sport at a macro level I think is fantastic and but it's not just women it is also well that quite unmale like stereotypical attribute of empathetic leadership which I spoke about last time with Gareth Southgate and the footballers prepared to stand up for each other and what they believe in rather than it being focused on ego in themselves and who's the alpha in the pack. So interesting movements going on in the world of sport. We're reaching the end and I just wanted to wrap up by placing the London Marathon in the context of all of this. Back to the London Marathon. The world revolves around the London Marathon. It is my ninth one, and I have been a keen follower of it since 1981, just as I have been a keen follower of Ipswich Town, I might add, who are currently third from bottom of League One. But what can we learn from all of this that we might put into practice? in two weeks time well there's some really obvious things stay in the moment stay in the moment don't get ahead of yourself at any point in the next two weeks but least of all on the day don't get carried away on that exciting start line they switched on to what you have to do at that moment in time all the way through the race and enjoy the process just see where it takes you and given what's happened in the world it's two and a half years since we've run the London Marathon you may never run it again may never happen again. Perhaps we can learn from Emma Radicani's view that this might be her last US Open and she should enjoy every minute of it. Perhaps we should do the same. And seize the moment when it comes, just like she did. This might be your chance. You might never, never be this fit again. Certainly, certainly won't be this young again. See if you have the chance. 
to perform at high level, take it. You never know when it might come again. But most of all, it's been a long time coming. It's going to be different. But enjoy it. The world has changed. The marathon has changed. But it's still there for you to have an experience like you've never had before. Because the marathon does that. Once you've done it, once you've finished, nobody can take it away from you. Just like the US Open 2021 title. If you're Emma Raducanu. So we're going to leave it there. Thank you for joining me. I hope you've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed plodding around the forest. actually forgot to put my watch on. So I've got no idea how far I've run or how long we've been out here. But I've enjoyed the chat. Thanks for listening. And I'll speak to you again very soon. Take care.